video. It's the only way to get what you want to watch. Hello, when you want my name is Justin McClure, and I'm here today with Mark Hansen. And you're listening to the Bay Street Video Podcast, where we go through all of this week's new Blu-rays and DVDs. We're back to regular. Lots of stuff released this week. Lots of stuff, yeah. Lots of stuff that we're not particularly that enthusiastic about, maybe. Yeah, you, you're already <laughs> listening. You're going to have to listen yeah. to us talk about it. So yeah. <laughs> you are going to go through this. We're going to hold your hand. We're going to get through it to the yeah, other side. Don't hit stop. Don't do that. Yeah. If you hit yeah, stop, we stop existing. Stop. <laughs> <laughs> I'm really good at telling people not to listen to our podcast before we even start getting Can't into stop, it. Can't stop, won't stop. Yeah, when people come to the desk and they have stuff, you're like, uh, are you sure this is so. what you want to yeah. buy? <laughs> <laughs> that's the best way to sell you know yep no i remember when i would buy stuff i'd feel guilty uh not at bay street but i like at other video stores being like are they gonna judge me for getting this yeah well secret we all judge you very hard <laughs> <gasps> no <laughs> i'm just kidding there's no judgment at bay street video you know people buy what they want to buy and listen we're... i used to work at an indigo i don't remember what anyone bought i did not care i totally agree yeah like i think you do you get those customers that seem like they cautiously come up and they're like embarrassed about what to buy but like honestly we don't remember we see I don't like look at so it. many I, customers i yeah. don't think about it <laughs> no, like it's just like a barcode being zapped into the computer that's we all we appreciate you we look forward to seeing you next time yeah, give me the money get out of here <laughs> so starting in the cult section we have bloodstone directed by dwight h little the man behind halloween 4 and the great brandon lee rapid fire yep as well as murder at 1600 i've never seen that one i always get that confused with is it passenger 47 which also stars passenger 57 57 yeah, yeah. With always Wesley been Snipes. on black i always got it confused with absolute power that clint eastwood movie because they were both about like murders in the white house at that time but for some reason when i was looking up dwight h little on imdb to refresh my memory that's like what he's one of the things he's most known for apparently according well, to imdb Hall- stats wait there, so. you look at the stats of imdb i've never looked at them once you know they have like he's most known for they have murder at 1600 i'm like i don't think that's right nobody remembers letterbox that. is a good indication for that because it'll actually show you like what people review or log the most so you know no i like dwight h little a lot He's uh, great. bloodstone jungle adventure film uh it's notable for starring the uh, indian star rajinikants who is like a mega star he is probably most famous in the west for robot that trailer was going around a couple years right. ago uh he's really fun in this movie and the movie is not good it really bums me out of how lame it is yeah well you forgot to mention who the writer on this one was too eh? Our buddy, Nico Masterakis. Yeah, yeah, I forgot. <laughs> Which is probably the only reason it's coming out from Arrow right now. I think he has like a story credit or something. It's coming out. Oh, he probably produced it then as well, I bet. It's probably coming probably. out because every movie that was has ever been made is coming out. <laughs> Yeah, that he's like even slightly connected to. I wonder to how it must feel out. to be work on these releases and like, you know, the movie's not good. Like, do they try to find one person who likes it? There's no way they can. Well, hey, every movie has a super fan and, you know... I'm sure there's a super fan of Bloodstone out there that can tell us how wrong we are for talking so glibly about After, it. After uh, we talked about Dane DeHaan last week, I found multiple fan sites. <laughs> I saw that. You went on a deep dive of Dane DeHaan. No, eh? I just searched Dane DeHaan fan site. <laughs> and he is on Twitter. He's about to be a father. What? He still uh, posts about Amazing Spider-Man 2. <laughs> he still looks like he's 14 years old to me. It's crazy to yes, me that he he's a father. Like he's yeah, but can't you tell he has a really deep voice, He does, man. he does. <laughs> 
So we also have Jungle Holocaust, which is a Ruggiero Deato film, the director of Cannibal Holocaust. And this one came out before uh, that one. I don't know. Not a big fan of cannibal films. Yeah, I feel, you know, Cannibal Holocaust is kind of where it begins and ends for me. <laughs> what about Cannibal Ferox? The guy gets his dick cut off in that one. <sighs> yeah, I didn't really like Cannibal Ferox that much. I mean, th- I think those are the, yeah, I think those are the only two I've actually seen from that subgenre. But uh, I liked Cannibal Holocaust for like what it was. Well, you didn't see Eli Ross's uh, The Green Hell? Oh, I did see, I did see The Green Inferno. Um, oh, Green Inferno. Inferno, sorry. Right? Yeah, yeah, that's right. Uh, I didn't really like that. You know, it has some grotty moments, but I just don't really like Eli Ross. Oh, you just don't like him personally. Well, I have him right here, Mark. Hey, I don't want him's Eli Roth. <laughs> I don't know why he's oh, British. He's on the pod- oh, Eli Roth. Yeah, is he British now? <laughs> he's like my father. No. <laughs> oh, no, Eli Roth is my father. We need, like, continuity, like in comic books, where it's like, see, episode number <laughs> yeah. this for the first reference to this. Yeah, I, I worry for the f- person who's listening to this episode for the first time and has no idea what we're talking about. But uh... So, uh, cannibal films, you know, if you're, you're a trash person, you buy them all. I have a friend who buys them all. It's just like you know uh, mechanical at this yeah. point i mean it's one of those genres that really is kind of prob- problematic to say the least in today's day and age with its uh, look at indigenous tribes but uh <laughs> and animal cruelty on screen Oof. i really do do like cannibal holocaust but jesus that turtle scene is just not okay but you can watch it on the grindhouse releasing version without the animal cruelty you can you can but it's still there you should watch it. <laughs> like, it still exists. I don't know. I mean, yeah, obviously that was a huge thing. There was a lot of, a lot of you know, xenophobia coming out of Italy at that point. With uh, As opposed <laughs> but, to now? You know, as opposed to now. I mean, I don't know. I'm not Italian. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I don't know. These things definitely have a huge market. There is going to be another one coming out next week, which we'll talk about at that point. But I feel like, you know, I, I think we've they've released all of these things and then another one comes out uh code red is responsible for this one and i feel like they have kind of cornered the market since uh those two big grindhouse releases on these kind we of we also films. have the flesh and the fiends which i think is a hammer film it's directed by a hammer guy john gilling uh it stars peter cushing it's a burke and hare movie but it's being released by kino it's not shout factory yeah scream did not get the rights i think it's one of those studio canal things maybe that they have the rights to but people love this film this is obvious this has been selling like crazy for us uh it's got two separate cuts of it on uh the uk cut and the u.s cut Uh, a lot of features uh i think some new commentaries interviews stuff like that so it's kind of kind of like the definitive release it was only out on like a really bad old school dvd from like image back in the day so you gotta pick this one up if you're a yep, not a hammer fan. film i was wrong but it gets confused with it uh quite often it sure looks like a hammer film you we know? also have william castle's let's kill uncle being released by kino man they're releasing every single william castle film it's crazy <laughs> I, I mean people like his you know monster movies and sci-fi stuff but like he was a studio director. He just cranked them out. This yeah. is Let's Kill Uncle. Yeah, this one's more like a dark comedy that I kind of hear. Uh, never really knew this one existed, honestly. Um, and it doesn't have much. Well, it doesn't seem to have much info online uh, except for kind of the basics. I don't know. Um, but people go crazy for his stuff. It's like you slap William Castle's name on something, it will sell. We also have The Day the Earth Caught Fire, the Val Guest film released by Kino. This movie is great, and I have seen it, so... 
would recommend. I've uh, never been on Blu-ray before. Nice. It's like, yeah, long time coming for Blu-ray. And so, yeah, it's an apocalypse film, which I'm sure people really want to experience right now <laughs> uh, about global warming, I guess, because the Earth catches fire. Ah. Is it as good as Day After Tomorrow? I don't like Day though? After Tomorrow. Boring. <laughs> yeah, me neither. It is boring. I agree. Uh, we have Spaced Invaders. Ugh. Uh, so I, this is a weird movie because I know I've seen it, but all I can remember are like 10 minutes of it that have stuck in my memory, which is the opening where they talk about Orson Welles' War of the Worlds. Now, now this is a film directed by Patrick Reed Johnson, who people may know as the director of Baby's Day Out. Mm, great movie. <laughs> Classic. Uh, what is the movie about like the um, Big Bone Kid? It's famous for having, like, Weezer and St- Angus. Angus. Yeah, he directed that as well. Yeah, he directed that, too. Yeah, <laughs> those were two classics of 90s and kids And he movies. famously directed a film that's the date that Star Wars came out that has never been properly oh, no released. It uh, was made, like, 10, maybe 15 years ago. It stars, like, the kid from uh, Freaks and Geeks, like, the main kid. And Patrick Reed Johnson just cannot get it out. I seen a version that was like two hours long. It was terrible. Terrible. <laughs> he uh, went on tour, like playing it. They played it at TIFF, hoping to raise money to release it. Couldn't do it. The uh, tour wow. caused him and his uh, girlfriend at the time to break up. Oh, that makes me really sad. You know, that, that made it feel for the but guy. But Space Invaders, which is a classic movie of, I guess, a bunch of aliens come down and they have wacky adventures it's not a disney film is it is it a touchstone picture it was a touchstone film so this was actually previously out on blu-ray from mill creek when mill creek had uh the rights to a bunch of this touchstone stuff and then that went out of print now kino obviously picked up all this stuff I, i feel the same way as you i remember seeing I don't even know if I saw the whole thing of this, but I saw a lot of it on TV. It a played lot on a TBS kid. a lot, I think. It, it played on TBS a ton, and I only remember bits and pieces. I wanted to get around to checking it out again and just never got the time. But did you watch this I again? I have not this uh, up, right? had a chance to watch it, but it is loaded with special feet. They interviewed everybody that had anything to do with this movie. <laughs> Yeah, I'm surprised they got so much for this because I remember the previous Mill Creek release was like a bare Mill Creek never has released. any special features. Though. I know, but I thought they were just going to like port it over like they do with like all the other ones they got, like Aspen Extreme or something, where there's like nothing on it again. They just put it out. But like, yeah, they really went to town Man, on this. Man, I one. hope Kino re releases Aspen Extreme and get in contact with us to participate in a special I'll be features. so mad if they do a special <laughs> edition without our involvement. And Mike Wood, of oh, course. Oh, of course. The uh, Aspen fan number one. <laughs> the Aspen super yeah, fan. Yeah, we turned him an Aspen super fan, though. <laughs> we also have Grunt, the wrestling movie, being released by Scorpion. I've never seen this. Yeah, Scorpion. You're just scraping the bottom of the barrel these days. Uh, great title. I, don't, I never knew of this movie's existence. I mean, it looks great. You're more of a wrestling fan than I am, so I, I didn't really know. Uh, Does this have, yeah. like, big wrestlers in it, or, like... I don't know. I don't really know wrestlers. Wrestling, for me, I only came to it uh, when I used to work at a video store. My pal, Adam Thorne, he knew a lot about wrestling, so I would just, like, ask him questions about it. But, like, I've never watched matches or anything like that. It's just the idea of wrestling and, the like, the mythology around it. But the thing about wrestling is, like, if you want to watch it as it's happening, it's four hours a week, if not Jesus. more. And it's all, like, um, edging. Because, like, you don't actually get real matches in that. You have to wait for the pay-per-views. Okay, okay. Just ridiculous. Uh, so, yeah, I can't keep track of any of that stuff. Also, the people who run wrestling are bad. Yeah, that's, <laughs> so, that's what I always hear. I mean, I mean WWE. 
like um i don't know if it's happening anymore but like the luchador thing that robert rodriguez was running i think it was on oh, netflix right. for a while yeah it's supposedly really good yeah apparently i'm just in reading about it it's like a mockumentary so it is a fic it is a fictional movie but i guess it's trying to be like that this is spinal tap kind of thing but i think it features a bunch of actual wrestlers i mean i would hope so it seems like it does um but yeah it's some sort of funny kind of mockumentary thing director's not really anybody i recognize alan holtzman oh it's the director of forbidden world the roger corman film um, ah, i do like forbidden world better for, than galaxy yeah, of terror too. i like forbidden world too and i think this was also a new world picture so great soundtrack forbidden world yeah, a, yeah oh, a, electronic soundtrack yeah that's really good um i was just looking there's an amazing wrestling movie called blood and guts which was directed by peter lynch who did prom night blood and guts is a canadian movie it's about like being on the canadian wrestling circuit and uh yeah really good i think william smith is like the mentor wrestler in it never got a dvd release or a blu-ray so that's one that if these companies need to get on Check it out if you're listening to this podcast for some reason. Yeah. <laughs> Canadian classics here. Uh, we also have Torment that's being released. I've never seen this movie. It's from the director of The Dorm That Dripped Blood and The Power. Yeah, another kind of Scorpion release of a horror movie that nobody really remembers with a generic title. Uh, I also saw that it is the guy who, one of the co- because there's two directors, one of the directors, so maybe the other guy, is actually the writer uh, of Dunstan Checks In, which I believe is a, <laughs> is a favorite of us. Of ours on the podcast here. I've never seen it. Neither, oh, uh, yeah. No, that's a lie. I saw it when I was a kid. Right, okay. I remember nothing about it. Yeah, well, he he came up with the story and wrote the screenplay for Dunstan Checks In. So I prefer the sequel, Dunstan Checks Out. Very sad. <laughs> Tragic, really. Yeah, there's an interview with Christopher Young on this, the composer of like Hellraiser and stuff like that. Okay. They couldn't get anybody else to participate. Well, I just it's one of those movies you look it up, like even if you type it into IMDb, it doesn't even come right away up right away. You have to look down like ten titles, like, oh, there it is, Torment from <laughs> I don't know. It's like your standard kind of eighties giallo spot inspired. Oh, yeah. There's a million like... uh movies called Torment. Oh, my God, it's like yeah. impossible to find. Uh we also have This is the bottom of the barrel. Uh, yeah neurosis which i've never seen this movie called that no. it's called revenge in the house of usher uh jess franco movie yeah and i have a friend who has every jess franco movie he like sold this one he's like it's terrible like he's like i would never watch this again yeah you gotta wonder if it's put out by redemption which is just like a brand of kino at this point but you gotta wonder if they're trying to oh, like are they owned by kino i didn't know yeah that. kino bought them at a certain point and so every once in a while they'll release another one it's usually just a jess franco movie though honestly but you gotta wonder if they're trying to trick people with the title of this because yeah, this did. They are trying to trick this people. This did come out it? on DVD Guaranteed. in the past under Revenge in the House of Usher, and now they're calling it Neurosis. And it took me forever. The only people buying this are completists who are like, I need to yeah. own every Jess Franco movie. There's no other reason to own it. Right. Because isn't it just comprised of footage from another one of his films, too, or mostly comprised of footage from another I one of his films? I know that the suits from Tombs of the Blind Dead get reused. <laughs> That's what it's most famous for. The, like, skeleton, um, I guess, horsemen that are in Tunes of the Blind Dead. Wait, isn't there a box set of that coming out soon? Or am I mistaken? Uh, I hear rumors about it, but I haven't heard an official, any official word on it. Yeah, that's something that Synapse, oh no, Severn will probably do, I'm sure. Or Blue Underground. Who, who owns the rights to I don't even know anymore. Uh, it was Blue Underground before. Yeah, because yeah. they put out that coffin. Right, yeah, yeah, which we sold a bunch of back in the day. Uh, man, you've been working at that store for too long, Mark. <laughs> too long man i like moved to toronto when that coffin came out 
Well, we had one of those sitting on the shelf for like years and it was like out of print and we were just like, somebody's got to buy this. Like, this is like a collector's item now. And then finally some lucky person came along. And we also have Northern Exposure, the complete series being released. I've never seen an episode of this. No, I hear this talked about a lot as as that like post Twin Peaks kind of thing where, you know, Twin Peaks was huge. So like, let's do a lot of TV shows about weird little communities and like their kooky inhabitants. So I've never seen an episode of this either i just remember it being a big deal uh it's about a doctor who starts a practice up in this kooky village in alaska so i don't know show factory's putting this out in like uh it's just a dvd set not blu-ray or anything but it's been out of print for a while it lasted a while though i'm just looking it up it's like six seasons oh you know what it was maybe completed on video that's yeah. why there's no blu-ray yeah set. that's the thing so it's just kind of a repackage that i think was out before at one point speaking of twin peaks we also have wild palms one of the most famous twin peaks ripoff and what what's this it's this week's blind buy but it's a, a tv, TV series, series? oh my god blind and you know what i picked this one well kind of picked this one i don't know we, we both kind of picked this one i was buying it and you went and i made a joke and you're like maybe we could watch it <laughs> well then i was looking through the list i'm like you know what I could go for that. It's only five hours long or so, <laughs> four and a half. I can handle that. And I've always heard a lot about Wild Palms. Uh, this is, yeah, like, like <laughs> you, you said. Who's talking about I Wild have, Palms? I don't know. I always heard about it as, like you said, one of these like post-Twin Peaks kind of, not rip-offs, because it is kind of its own thing, but it definitely takes a lot of, it's very Lynchian. You, the score Stylistically, is, it's very Lynchian. It is, yeah. The score is very Battle of Menti. It does have that, like, campy soap opera kind of feel. I When I started watching it, I almost felt like it's the, it's like a soap opera that the characters on Twin Peaks would be watching. You know how they have that soap mm-hmm. opera the characters watch? It's like... Which is funny, because in Wild Palms is a sitcom that they exactly, watch. Exactly. <laughs> called Church Windows, I think it is. Church Windows, yeah. Right. yeah. So, do you want to set this one up, Justin? Uh, yeah. So, in the near future, I believe it's maybe 2007? 2007. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Jim Belushi is a patent clerk who uh, an old flame comes into his life, which gets him involved with the senator who's starting a new VR channel on Channel 3. And at the same time, there's also two groups, the fathers and the friends, who are terrorist groups slash uh, religious slash Scientologists who are for and against virtual reality. And these groups also kidnap children and turn them into assassins. And Jim Belushi's wife thinks her child has turned into an assassin. Angie Dickinson is running one of these groups and David Warner's running the other. And that's just like the first episode, like the first 40 minutes of a 90 minute TV show. <laughs> well, I was reading about it after and uh, Jim Belushi, I was seeing Jim Belushi apparently in press for it after it was just, just admitted he had no idea what any of it was about and he just showed up on his day on the days to shoot and just recited his lines without like any sort of context and you know what i'm kind of with jim belushi on this i have no idea what the hell this thing was about after like watching the entire thing this is like kind of twin peaks by way of cyberpunk like william gibson stuff that's what it's inspired by i got a philip k dick vibe from it too and kind of like it's got a bit of that weird humor that philip k dick has where there's not really any dramatic involvement in this because there's no characters they're just like types that are like running through this and they're self-destructing the narrative so often like there is no attempt to continue this past the five episodes most of the characters are dead by the end oh my god i know and there's no like yeah and there's no like recognizable world or recognizable plot strand in it like at least with something like twin peaks uh it's 
everybody's kind of kooky. It's got dream sequences and stuff, but it's kind of grounded in a central mystery that you can kind of relate to in like a natural way. This is just like, I was trying really hard to like follow all the plot strands. And it was just like, at a certain point, I just kind of like gave up. Did you follow the rhinos? Mark, that's what you had yeah, to do. The rhino. I need to follow the rhinos. That's what it is, <laughs> yeah. right? Yeah, Jim Belushi keeps having recurring dreams of a of a rhino just showing up in his, you know, in the hallway or in his pool at back or something. And the fathers so. kill people with a rhino blade. Exactly. Um, so this was created by uh, Bruce Wagner, and it was based on uh, a comic strip that he actually did for a few years in Details Magazine, which I was looking up after and was definitely taken by. Like the art was really great. He didn't do the art; he wrote it. Um, a guy named Julian Allen did the art who's pretty well known uh, it seemed to be a very close adaptation too exactly um, so yeah and I guess it kind of happened and apparently I guess the differences are from what I was reading in the comic strip which you can't really find anymore uh, they reference it takes place in the present day in, in the comic strip so in the early 90s and they actually use a lot of real famous people like Carrie Fisher apparently Don Simpson like producer Don Simpson is a character in it they all they use all these real people real celebrities as characters where in this they in the miniseries they don't do that and then they also add this futuristic slant to it um, but yeah Bruce Wagner was the creator Oliver Stone exec produces this um, for people who don't know who Bruce Wagner is, he is uh, a novelist, and he's probably most known recently for writing uh, Maps to the Stars. The David I think the most famous film. thing he did, I've never read it, was a novel called Force Majeure that takes place in Hollywood and like tears them apart from the inside out. It was like a really popular book. He wrote a lot of spec scripts as well. He did the first draft with Wes Craven of Nightmare on Elm Street Part 3, Dream Warriors. Right. And yeah, I think... Um, Oliver Stone, from what I was reading, wanted to adapt Force Majeure at one point, and then it didn't happen, so it became this. And also, uh, David, Cr I think Maps to the Stars was actually kind of inspired by one of his other earlier books, and David Cronenberg had wanted to work with him for a while, too. So, uh, And you can kind of tell, apparently, Maps to the Stars does make Wild Palms references. It's been a while since I've seen it. Really? But apparently I've they never do. seen it. Yeah, apparently they take place in the same universe, and the film does make some references, but I would have known at that point or anything so i really enjoyed this even though i'm like i don't know what's going on the pilot that first 90 minutes i was like eh, i don't know how i'm feeling this it's the pilot's directed by the guy who did bill and ted's bogus journey and what's really right, funny about yeah. looking into what his directorial style is essentially it seems using monochromatic colors if you remember bill and ted's bogus journey when they die they come back in black and white in wild palms uh, a lot of the rooms are just black and white and reading about his first um, short, the candy store was about a black and white world where like the candy store is all color. I'm like, Oh, so he has this one trick up his sleeve. I wonder if that <laughs> continues to repeat in Garfield and stuff like that. Yeah. Right. Cause he did that. But once it switches to like 40 minute, uh, segment. It's much easier to digest, especially when Keith Gordon, a yeah. better director, takes over during yes. the <laughs> second episode. I think second. Yeah, I think he does the second and the yeah, fifth. Yeah, he does. One, oh, the, if I remember, no, the second and the fourth. Or the fourth one. Sorry. Uh, so yeah. I listened to all the commentaries on this, and Jim Belushi's on the first one. He's really enjoying it. He's like, oh no, this is pretty good, man. I'm really getting lost <laughs> inside of this. Him and Bruce Wagner. <laughs> Keith Gordon does the other two commentaries of his episodes. Uh, uh, Bruce Wagner does one with like the wife of Jim Belushi. I can't remember what her name is. The actor. Oh, uh, Dana Delaney. Yeah, Dana Delaney, and she's full of questions. She's like, "Did William Gibson like this? Like, what do they think?" That? <laughs> and uh, Phil Janu, the director of the Amazing Three O'clock High, does the last episode, and 
he has no idea what the show is. He's like, what is this? He's like, I don't know why they hired me to direct the last episode. I didn't even get to watch any of the other episodes. What is going on here? <laughs> What's really funny is at one point, Bruce Wagner or Keith Gordon complains that on network TV, you couldn't hold a knife to someone's throat. So it looks weird. And in the Phil Janu episode, Phil Janu's like, why didn't I have him hold the knife to the person's throat? That's bad directing on my part. Not realizing it was a network note. <laughs> so is there no Catherine Bigelow per, uh, participation on this? Because she directed the third episode. She directed the third episode and she doesn't really participate in um, commentaries or anything like that. So nope. But considering that there's commentaries on all of them, which is very surprising. Keith Gordon is obviously the best one. He's the most like vocal and he can talk through them. Bruce Wagner at one point goes, oh, man, I really shouldn't you know, bring to the screen the words that are in my mind, which made me laugh very hard. <laughs> so for people that like want more Twin Peaks-ish kind of stuff, I recommend this. It was originally supposed to be uh, star Jeff Daniels, which would have been different because he would have had a yeah. more yuppie feel to his character. Well, Jim Belushi seems like an anomaly in this. Like he should not be here. <laughs> yeah, he's kind of weird. I don't know how I feel about Jim Belushi. I've never been like a huge fan of him um i don't mind him though when he shows he's not up. empathetic like he's not a sympathetic yeah. character because you you feel there's something wrong about and especially in this like he's cheating on his wife in the first episode like yeah and a lot of re and a lot of reviews and just writing about it i read a lot of people comment that they think it's a really good adaptation except for jim belushi they think he was miscast so i don't know how he really comes off in the original comic uh, yeah, no, I thought this was was interesting. I'm not sure I fully thought it all worked. I, I think it it doesn't it doesn't have the same hypnotic pull that like Twin Peaks has for me or something like that. Um, I mean, obviously, that's a what about the Thirteenth Floor, story. which is very familiar. <laughs> you to know me. what? Yeah, it has some Thirteenth Floor vibes. But you know what? I really admire that. You know, like we were talking earlier of this week, the fact that they put this on TV in the early 90s on ABC and they ran it like five consecutive nights in a row so it was just like a week of wild palms and it's just like you know even though I don't really understand most of what was going on just being immersed in that world for so long really like it starts to just kind of you start to kind of just enjoy it you know I mean there's a death scene in this show that literally took me aback where somebody <laughs> has a hand shoved somewhere a hand should not oh, go oh yeah 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 I was like no, whoa there's some wild stuff here Did look at their eyes gouged out on network TV I know right like it's all very tame still like it's not like it's still not it's no like more hardcore no than like Twin Peaks like was back, at the, back in the time yeah exactly but still just the, the fact that something this strange and this like untethered from any sort of narrative art I mean, even Twin Peaks, when it first started, like, still had, like, a narrative arc. And they well, still... Well, people were interested in the mystery. Yeah, That's exactly. That's what they cared about. With Wild Palms, it's like, there's no real plot to, to follow consistently that you can, like, kind of hook viewers with, you know? It's just like, this is the experience. And I think Oliver Stone said it at one point. He was just like, the story doesn't really matter. It's just the mood you should take yeah, away Yeah, because they're from not it. really driving towards anything. There's no mystery that needs to be solved. No. And I think in the original comic, from what I saw online, you can find a lot of panels from it online. And they're really cool. I would say they're definitely worth seeking out because the art's really beautiful. And it just has a really strange, surreal kind of vibe. Basically, they are just kind of like vignettes of like this Holly of strange Hollywood life with a lot of pop culture references. But it has this kind of like retro 50s feeling kind of animation to it it's really interesting stuff and i think they capture that fairly well in adapting mm. it so would i recommend it as a blind buy i mean if people want a twin peaks ripoff yeah i would recommend it five hours you don't got to commit to like 20 episodes yeah so, exactly. and it is weird it's not like a watered down twin peaks or anything like that 
No, exactly. I thought it was going to, like, after the first little bit, just kind of, like, settle into a more conventional groove, but it certainly does not do that <laughs> yeah. at all. Uh, it is just strange the whole way through, and, and yeah, it was interesting. I don't... I'm not sure, yeah, again, that it works all totally, but for a blind buy, yeah, I would totally pick this up because I think it's worth... It's worth the ex- just the experience of watching it. I mean, Jim Belushi would go on to appear in Twin Peaks, I yeah. assume playing his Wild Palms character. Exactly. And there's other t- Lynch people, like Ernie Hudson, obviously, was in the Twin Peaks revival. Um, Robert Loggia was in Lost Highway. So there's definitely some David Lynch connections there. Was Brad there. Dourif in ever, can... ever any Twin Peaks shows or David Lynch? He's got to be, right? He He's one of those guys you feel like he must, but then I'm trying to think, and I can't actually remember if... I don't know if he has been or not. Oh, wasn't Brad Dourif in Dune? Does that sound oh, right? Oh, he might be in Dune. Yeah, I think you're right. Uh, so moving on, we can move to the classic section, Taste of Cherry. You're a big Akira Stami fan, right, uh, Mark? Oh, I am. And I love this film. This movie is great. It's definitely one of his best. And it's been a long time coming for a Blu-ray release from Criterion. It's been out of print on DVD from Criterion for years now. But it's just such a gorgeous, gorgeous film. And it's very, for lovers of, like, slow cinema and just, like, I mean, Kiristami stuff in general is just, like, a vibe. So you know what you're getting into. But it's just, um, it's probably one of, if not his most famous film. And it's just about an Iranian man who basically drives around the countryside trying to look for somebody who will bury him under a cherry tree when he, because he's decided to kill himself. And, yeah, it sounds really depressing and really bleak, but it's got a really sly, nice sense of humor that Kiristami stuff always has. And I'm just really, really loving that this is finally out on Blu-ray because it deserved like a restoration for years. It just looks gorgeous. It's so much gorgeous scenery footage of like the Iranian countryside. Beep, 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 beep. Brad Dourif update with David Lynch. <laughs> he was in Dune and Blue Velvet and My Son, My Son, What Have You Done? That's true. I knew he was in that, but like, I don't know. Do you consider that a David Lynch film? I guess. <laughs> oh, yeah. Know. I guess David Lynch produced it. What am I talking about? Oh, yeah. Werner Herzog directed it. Um, so we also have Spartacus being released. Sure. Okay. Yeah. Ultra, <laughs> Ultra H. You know, they're getting through all the Kubrick films on Ultra HD now. I don't know. I mean, this is probably, what, the most boring Kubrick film? No. <laughs> oh, burn. Yeah, I don't know. I haven't seen I it in a know. long time. I probably saw it at TIFF like five years ago or something like that. People I love mean, it. it's okay. It's just... It, yeah, it's okay. It's just like the most conventional. Yeah, because he was brought films, in at the last minute to um, pitch hint for Anthony Mann. So we also have John Ford's first feature, I believe, Straight Shooting. Yeah, it's definitely one of his first features. If not, I think he went under a different name, too, when he made this one. Jack Ford? Jack Ford, right. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, a classic silent Western with Harry Carey, I believe. Um, yeah, and... Yeah, I mean, John Ford complete us out there. You got a new title to add to your collection. We also have Maidens in Uniform, which is part of that Kino wave of German films. This was a big hit when it came out in Germany and the United States because there was the hint of some lesbian romance. Wow. And that was enough. People just needed to they see it. They just flocked to that. But you know what? It's it's co-directed by a female director, which would have been, I assume, pretty rare at the time in the German film industry. And, um, yeah, I guess it's, it's credited as one of the first films, if not the first film, to really kind of explicitly portray homosexuality. So, yeah, just been – and it's been 
it's never been available. I mean, maybe it was on VHS or something at one point, but this is kind of the first time we're seeing this in so, decades. So uh, we have a bunch of similar films on this list, so I'm going to bunch them all together, mostly because I haven't seen them, so I don't have that much to say. Yes. So there's a lot of films directed by Istvan Zvabo. Do you know this guy? I've never heard of him before. Oh, you've never heard of this guy. This guy is huge. Was a huge deal in international cinema in like the in the eighties, probably. So definitely, you know, viewers of a certain age really remember this guy. I think um, Mephisto is, which is the first film on this list, uh, is clearly. I, I think his most famous film. It was nominated for a bunch of Oscars. I think Klaus Maria Brandauer, who is the lead in it, was nominated for an Oscar, and it's just. This is one of those like foreign films from the 80s that has like got a really bad DVD release back in the day. It's been out of print for years and people have wanted this on Blu-ray forever. So this is really a big deal for fans of international cinema. I have never heard of it before in my travels. Not once. Well, you'll be pleased to know it's a World War II film. I know you how much you like that. Uh, and it's about an actor in, you know, during the Third Reich, and he has to either decide to, you know, basically continue to act and, you know, kind of join the Nazi regime or go against it. Um, I, you know, I've never seen this film, but I know it is just like a huge, huge deal. And it was kind of like probably one of the biggest international hits of the 80s. And then the other two films on here are a little lesser known, but still were pretty big deals. Colonel Reddle is also... Uh, really famous and was out on DVD before, but long out of print. Uh, but Confidence is one that I don't think has ever actually been on DVD or Blu-ray at all. So this might this hasn't been seen since like the VHS era. But uh, Isvan Zabo, I don't know. I think the only film of his I've actually seen is one of his more recent films, which was uh, Being Julia. You remember that Annette Benning movie? I remember the title. I never saw it, though. I don't know why I saw it. I think she was nominated for an Oscar or something, and I was just watching it because of that. Yeah, you were one of those Oscar suckers, right? Frankly, eh? it's one of those kind of like bougie, you know, European art films for your parents kind of thing. But I think these ones are these three are kind of like his biggest three. So if you want to get into his films, you this is kind of where to so start. So I think it's time for us to shame Kino because we're about to talk about a bunch of films I'm all that, for that they are <laughs> shamelessly releasing as individual releases. When Mark will back me up, a lot of these appeared in box sets. Yes, these a lot of these were released on DVD in very nice and very affordable box sets, and now you've got to buy them all individually on Blu-ray. Thanks, Kino. So we got Arabian Nights from 1942. It's the one that stars Sabu. Uh, we got Alibaba and the 40 Thieves from 1944, and uh, this one looks exciting. Son of Alibaba starring <laughs> Tony Curtis. <laughs> yeah, it's like, it's like Son of the Mask with Jamie Kennedy. <laughs> Jamie Kennedy, our generation's Tony Curtis. Yeah, exactly, right? So I've never seen any of these. I was looking them up on Letterboxd. They're not very well-loved either. No, I mean, I know Arabian Nights is probably the most popular of these, at least for our customers here. The DVD for that always has done really well for us for whatever reason. But yeah, as for the other two, I don't know. Son of Alibaba, I don't even know if it's been out beyond like a box set maybe back in the day. Yeah, on the other side yeah, of a flipper it's, disc. Yeah, it's just a, it's a bonus feature on a DVD set. We also have a bunch of pirate pictures uh, released by Kino. We have The World in His Arms, which is the Raoul Walsh joint. Against All Flags, Errol Flynn uh, stars in it. And Buccaneers Girl, which stars Yvonne DeCarlos. Yeah, and there was a great DVD set, if you're into these kind of films, called Pirates of the Golden Age, which was released, I think, around the time Pirates of the Caribbean was coming out to try and, like, piggyback off of that 
um, which has like all of these films. So, I mean, if you, and it's still in print. So, you know, if you want a cheaper, more affordable way to get some of these, you could just get that. We also have Never Give a Sucker an Even Break, a W.C. Fields movie. It's weird that this is not appearing like in a box set of some sort. Again, there were a lot of great W.C. Fields <laughs> yeah. DVD box sets that we still carry, still have in. Uh, but they decided to release just this one by itself. And I think Son of Pale Face, the one that people actually like the most, the Frank Tashlin yeah. film came out a few weeks ago. But now we have the Pale Face. The Pale Face. <laughs> uh, I don't know. Bob Hope. Eh, yeah, not Bob really Hope. Not a, not a good man. No, no. <laughs> and uh, I don't think uh, me or you were uh, around when he was at his most popular. So No, he's he's a guy. Again, lots of Bob Hope box sets that we have at the store on DVD. And very popular guy around Bay Street Video. But, uh, <laughs> whoa, yeah. whoa. Kino did put out a box set, though. Film Noir, The Dark Side of Cinema, Part 4. <laughs> I know. We've talked about these Film Noir box sets like three weeks in a row now, I feel. <laughs> this one has Calcutta, An Act of Murder, and Six Bridges to Cross. Three more films I've never heard about. Yeah, I, I don't really know much about these. They're really kind of mining some of the more obscure film noirs for these box sets but damn these things are selling well we cannot keep these on the shelf can you try to put like the film noir box sets in front of the universal horror ones hopefully people will grab both at the same time (laughs) yeah oh what's this uh we also have kino because they will not stop putting movies out um do you think kino's like broken up into specific sections like it can't just be one place right because they released like 10, 15 things a week? Jesus, man. Yeah, basically. basically. So, like, how would you organize that? I don't know. I, You and I have to, like, infiltrate the Kino headquarters someday and see. Yeah, there's, like, a floor for, like, the Hollywood Touchstone Pictures division. There's a floor for all, like, the, you know, the Bob Hope. And they're, like, fighting between each other. It's, like, this big, like, Willy Wonka's <laughs> yeah. Chocolate Factory style thing, <laughs> as opposed to the probably two rooms <laughs> yeah. with, like, five people in it, which it probably please, is. Please, if anybody from Kino is listening, please. Please invite us down and let us check out your headquarters. We we would love uh, to. They're probably in the United States, so I don't think that's going to happen. Yeah, we probably can't go there. And with the amount of shit we talk about, Kino, they probably hate Why us. Why would by they now, hate so. us? We love what we love. Space Invaders. Yeah. And hey, we pushed Aspen Extreme so hard on this podcast. <laughs> uh, so. We also have Gogo Mania, aka Pop Gear, a compilation of proto music videos featuring the animals, the Spencer David groups, and Herman's Hermits. Herman's Hermits. So everybody loves them, right? Daddy O. Speaking of pop stars, uh, that'll be the day the 1973 film starring Ringo Starr is being released. <laughs> yeah, is this a classic? I, I don't know. Maybe. I don't know. I've never heard yeah, of it before. I don't know. We've had a rental of this. Like It was out on Anchor Bay for years. Nobody ever touches this rental. It's definitely just sitting around gathering dust. But I don't know. We sold a Blu-ray or two of this. So I guess there's those Ringo fans. You know, you think you it. know a bunch about movies. And then you look at these lists and you're like, I've never heard of any of this stuff. And then you go <laughs> looking into it and you're like, oh, it's because people don't really like it that much. That's why it doesn't get discovered. Yeah. Very often. Every month I get the new Kino announcements and like half the titles. I'm like, Jesus, what? Like there's another movie from the 1956 with this guy in it. Like, <laughs> another film called Torment. I know. <laughs> uh, we also have Life is a Long, Quiet River. 
Never heard of this. Two babies are switched at birth. When the mistake is gov- when the mistake is discovered 12 years later, it leads to complications. Because one family's rich and the other family is Ooh, poor. Lots of class commentary in this one, I guess. Uh, this is. I believe this film is French, <laughs> this is French, right? So this is from the 80s. Another kind of international hit in the 80s that isn't as well known anymore. Kind of fell by the wayside. Uh, directed by a guy named Etienne Chatelier. I'm definitely going to mangle that name, but uh, nah, that's pretty there close. You go. He uh, directed a film called Tangy, which has been very popular, uh, which is a popular kind of 90s French comedy. And yeah, I don't know. It's one of those like 80s French comedies. It was kind of a huge hit at the time and kind of just fell into obscurity after that. But Arrow Academy has stepped in to rescue it and put it out with a ton of new special features. So Arrow Academy is only doing this because Kino got the Studio Canal Library and started putting stuff Probably, out, right? And they're yeah. like, oh, we gotta, yeah. we gotta show them off too. I would love to know about like the Blu-ray wars between all the different labels. Oh, man, like, me I too, fucking hate me them. Too. And they're like making decisions based on spite just to like. <laughs> I think with their Arrow Academy stuff, they're even trying to like, that's where they're really trying to compete with Criterion with these kind of titles, you know? Like, Let's be I honest, think when they, they're beating yeah, Criterion. Exactly. I mean, I think when they put out Cinema Paradiso after years of it being at a print, that was kind of their big like mark in the sand. Like, we got this Criterion, so... Yeah, this is kind of a, a title that you would think maybe Criterion would have gotten on if, you know, it wasn't snapped up by them. Well, uh, we always have Warner Archives who always do new transfers, but don't care at all about special features. Not at all. Because <laughs> we got Girl Crazy, which is a film that stars Mickey Rooney and Judy Garland. One of those pictures. Directed by Norman Another Torog. One. It's famous for having, uh, I think, two big Busby Berkeley musical numbers, but he was fired when it took too long with some. Uh, We also have the Molly Maguires. This is a Paramount title. Uh, Sean Connery and a Martin Ritt picture. Never seen it. Never seen it. It's it's a hit with an older generation, you know. First time on Blu-ray, but geez, like bare bones Blu-ray here. There's nothing on this thing, so. But we got yeah. two Paramount Presents releases. Yeah, not like the Paramount Presents titles coming Airplane out. Airplane and Ghost. Why? <laughs> I can understand Airplane. It's, it's like the Zucker but week Ghost? Paramount Presents. <laughs> yeah, it is a Zucker you know, because Jerry Zucker directed Ghost as well. You know, people love Ghost. Say what you want. And you know what? I have a soft spot for Ghost. I, I really like Ghost. I think it's like, it's super lame but i don't know it's just it it's really entertaining to me maybe it's just because i saw it as a kid and it kind of like scared me as a kid because it's got some dark moments in it that like kind of catch you off i'm guard. more of a ghost dad kind of guy okay of course of course do I, you think paramount presents were released yeah that? definitely they're working on the 4k restoration of that right now <laughs> the bill cosby film <laughs> yeah. uh but yeah these two they're loaded like you know they look exactly like these paramount presents um titles have so far they are both new 4k restorations i mean i love airplane i love ghost not sure if i need 4k restorations of either of them but that are like 50 dollars yeah they're like they're like 42 dollars so they sell though man oh okay so doesn't matter that flash dance one we talked about weeks ago, we we can't keep that one. What on do you the think shelf. the average is of like regular customers? How many Blu-rays do they buy a week for like just like one customer? Like one customer, the... yeah, that comes in regularly. Uh, I would say anywhere between five and ten. Five and ten. I feel bad when I buy like three a week. I'm like, no, oh. our real regulars, man, they like, there are some guys that come in by like 15 a week. And then there's some guys that come in and buy five. So like maybe like that. And then there, we do get a lot that like buy three or four or something. 
But I would say, yeah, for our real regulars that come in, yeah, they kind of, they know what's coming out every week. They check our website and they come in with a list and they're ready to buy. They can't be watching those movies, can they? No, it's collectors for sure. We really cater to collectors here. And yeah, I mean, that's, and we love that. That's what keeps us going, but it's definitely a collector's market. But I'm not a collector. <laughs> I don't need like fancy. Yeah, of course not. All these like DVDs and Blu-rays I see in the background here. Yeah, but I don't need like limited editions or anything like that. That's true. That's true. Yeah, stuff like this. Like, look, I have the old like DVD of Airplane still. Me too. Why would I upgrade it? It's fine. That's the thing. It's good enough for me. You know, I got that. I got like the little blow up. uh, (laughs) Unless the uh, pilot. Wait, did it come with a little blow up pilot? No, you had to send away for it. You had to like send in the mail. Did you get it? They sent it to you. I got it. Wow. I know. I know. That was a different time. Uh, time. Unless it's like new special features where like uh, David Zucker is like 9-11 was an inside job. I know. Yeah. Yikes. Yep. (laughs) Oh yeah. You know, like a movie like that, like that DVD I have is loaded with special features oh, yeah. anyway Ton of special features it looked good like i don't need i didn't even need a regular blu-ray of airplane so i don't know if i need like a 4k restoration of it so moving on to the new section criterion's putting out marriage story yeah you seen this yeah, one I love this movie reminded okay. me of my parents uh, when they got a divorce yeah. oh really that's the thing i didn't um i i hear it really works well in terms of like people who have had experience with divorce and it really captures that um i just don't like noah bombach sorry but <laughs> Uh, he just comes off like a Gen X douchebag to me, to be honest. Oh, he is. Um, Very rich. Yeah. And I hated While We're Young. While You're oh, Young. Oh, I love While, while We're, we're young. young. That was uh, so good. I hated that movie. It really turned me out. Didn't you feel like that was just like him shitting all over millennials, though, for laughs to his like uh, Gen X buddies? I guess. Ben Stiller's a big piece of shit in that movie, too. I guess so. But it kind of ends. It kind of ends for me. I like... mean, Joe Swanberg, who um, uh, Adam Driver's playing in that movie like that is, isn't he? Uh, i didn't know that adam driver was supposed to be playing joe swanberg is that what it yeah, is he's playing joe swanberg in that movie okay yeah. i didn't know that um i don't know what it is with noah bob i used to really love him i love the squid and the whale mr jealousy when's oh, that yeah. movie coming no, out i love mr jealousy and i wish they would release that on blu-ray or something i think the one that i don't like is kicking and screaming just because yeah. it's about rich people that one's okay no i love his early stuff i love squid and the whale i love oh, squid and the whale so good yeah uh, i love Margot I... the wedding too i think that movie's great so wait when um, did you start to turn sour against uh, Obama? i think francis ha was the last film of his that i enjoyed oh, um, i love francis ha so good yeah i i liked it although i thought it was just kind of uh it didn't it didn't stick with me as much of his some of his other stuff I think it was while we're young that really turned me against him. And I also didn't like Mistress America. I found that really irritating. Oh, I like Mistress America. So really, there's only like two movies he didn't like, and that turned you into... Yeah, so honestly, just because man, you're like, really... he was targeting me, the millennial. I just felt, while we're young, though, it just had such a condescending tone to it for me that I really oh, didn't I like, like Greenberg, too. That's all about how uh, Ben Stiller is a terrible um, Gen Xer. Yeah, no, I liked Greenberg too, and I really liked his like nasty like causticness with his characters. I just maybe it's too like the whole like real life aspect of him, the fact that he like kind of like dumped Jennifer Jason Lee and got together with Greta Gerwig like while they were both in that movie, and then oh, like, did he? Well, they were both in Greenberg, right? And then right after, mm. and then right after Greenberg, he dumped Jennifer Jason Lee for Greta Gerwig, who's like you know like 20 years his senior or his junior so is Greta Gerwig in while we were young uh no she's not okay so somebody else plays her in that movie <laughs> basically yeah. yeah so I don't know he just so good though while we were young ends with Charles Grodin telling Ben Stiller like your documentary is terrible 
<laughs> yeah, I guess so. I just don't like. I didn't like it. I just found it was very condescending towards millennials, and I just like it was kind of that like, ah, oh, millennials, they're annoying, eh? They're just like on their phones all the time, and I'm like, really? This is all you got now, dude? That's it? Uh, I just thought it was very funny, I and know. I have nothing against work. millennials. I yeah, I, I'm like, I know I'm in the minority. I know people like that film, and I know people like him. I just he just rubs me the wrong way now. He's like a rich kind of like I probably hate him at a party. I'd be like, oh, so annoying. Yeah, well, he's making a movie about his divorce with jennifer jason lamb good for you buddy i don't know i just i well, can't get the thing into about it. marriage stories like adam driver is like the bad guy in the movie too is he because everybody tells me okay well then everybody who came in who came into the store and everybody i've talked to since uh it came out comes in and talks about how horrible scarlett johansson's character is in it I, people keep saying that but like the film hinges on the fact that Scarlett Johansson has supported Adam Driver his entire career. They lived in New York and she wants to move to LA and she's like, it's my turn now. Like, and he's like, no, you have to stay here. And that's what the movie's about. And it's like, yeah, Scarlett Johansson is the sympathetic party in this movie. Why would I get on Adam Driver's side? Yeah, I don't know. It was, in a different time, I would be all over this film. I used to like see his movies religiously and now I just couldn't like work up the energy to care about this one. Oh, it's anymore. great. People should check it out. I should buy it on Blu-ray. Mm, good. It's selling a ton. And yeah, for you collectors out there, the Blu-rays come with uh, reproductions of the, I guess, I don't see the, I haven't seen the movie, but of the notes they write to each other Right, or they write like, a, like it starts with like a hundred things that makes you think about the other person, I believe. So they've reprinted those and you get them both with the Criterion Blu-ray release. Mark, are you excited? One of your favorite auteurs finally got to make a movie again. <laughs> uh, now that I'm looking at it, I can't remember what his name is. He directed Chronicles and Josh uh, something. Josh Trank. Josh Trank? Josh Trank. Is that what he... Did you read that amazing article that came out no. about like the pause in his career? Oh, it is so good. Okay. It's so sad. And it's all about a guy who thinks he's really smart, but is actually pretty dumb. <laughs> you know what? I never actually saw Chronicle. That was one I missed. I definitely... Did you watch Capone? No, I haven't seen Capone. I hear, oh. it's, I hear it's hilarious, though. <laughs> it's so bad. It's so terrible. I hear he it's just so like boring, shits his pants too. in it the whole time. <laughs> yeah, but there's not enough of that. It's just like... Uh, you got to read that article. I'm going to send it to you. At one point, Josh Trank, a film is canceled. And he's just crying and stuffing KFC into his mouth. Ooh, that's hilarious. Yeah, you know, I don't <laughs> Eating think mashed I've potatoes seen... with his hands. <laughs> that's amazing. Yeah, I missed the whole Chronicle wave. And I don't think I've seen any of his films. He did Fantastic Four too, right? Or, yeah, there's yeah. amazing interviews with a screenwriter who was like, Josh Trank just didn't care about the Fantastic Four. He's like, I tried really hard to like get him to care and give him like the right issues and get him and he just didn't care it's like why is he directing this movie then jesus yeah to what what a privilege to not care you know the like a huge multi-billion dollar movie you're making he cared about the movie but he just didn't care about the property that he's adapting right which is okay, like and why are you enough. doing it yeah uh capone is about tom hardy as al capone slowly having dementia and going crazy it's it's real bad <laughs> super boring nothing happens in it yeah i saw the reviews were pretty piss poor on this one it, it definitely still it's fans though i mean we've sold a few of these i don't know if they just like tom hardy or what but... i mean yeah these are some real vulgar tourists like they popped up when the movie yeah. was coming out and it was like reviews yeah. you could have written the, you could have written it before it came out yeah i'm giving a bad faith assessment here right right uh we also have mr jones from 2019 uh, is it a world war ii film <laughs> 
No, it's it's about the so the famine in the Soviet Union or something. I, it's directed. It's a true life story about a Welsh reporter that it goes to Soviet Union to write about the famine. Uh, it's probably most notable for uh, being the new film from Agnieszka Holland. I'm probably mangling that name. Um, she's obviously the Polish director who made Europa Europa, uh, but she's also made like a bunch of Hollywood films like The Secret Garden, which is great, and a bunch of other stuff. Um, it stars, you know, Peter Sarsgaard, some other names you'd recognize. I don't know. It's again, one of those. Oh, wait, no, I'm thinking I missed a movie here. Uh, we'll get to it afterwards. Yeah, Peter Sarsgaard. So all the classic international filmmakers. Yeah, yeah. Okay, now back up. For people that have the list that came with the Blu-ray copy of this podcast, <laughs> pull it out and you'll just go up one. Yeah. Uh, Human Capital from 2019. Oh, yes, of course. Which is a murderer's like row of Greg Kinnears. <laughs> the person that you cast in your film when you can't get the person that you actually wanted. Liv Schreiber. Liv Schreiber, yeah. Yeah. I mean, Marissa Tomei is really good. Yeah, I she's I think great. there's like Mona Hawk is in it as well. Yeah, Maya Hawk. Uh, Alex. Oh, Peter Sarsgaard again. Wow, two movies with Peter Sarsgaard. See, that's why week. I was confused when he said Peter Sarsgaard. I was like, are you talking about Human Capital? Uh, well, Human Capital is from... I think we talked about Mark Myers recently because he did another film that just came out. He's the director of My Friend Dahmer and, oh, We Summon the Darkness, which we talked about a couple weeks ago. Um, I didn't see this film. It's like a drama about a bunch of two families' lives colliding, you know, after a tragic accident. It's one of those kind of movies. I knew some people that saw it at TIFF at the, at the Toronto Film Festival a year or two ago, and they said it was oh, just like... this is such a TIFF movie. It's a remake of another film that came oh, out a few it? years ago, I too. I didn't even know that. Apparently, it's just really bland from what I've heard. Uh, it's written by Oren Moverman, who I do like. He's the guy who made... Um, the Messenger and uh, Rampart, uh, a few other films. He's made some cool stuff as a director, but, you know, I don't know. This one looks kind of bad. I think I may change the name of the podcast, too. I didn't actually see that, but we'll talk about it anyway. Yeah. <laughs> the podcast. Yeah, I didn't actually see that. The BSV podcast. Uh, we also have, I mean, this movie sounds like a Tropic Thunder parody trailer. It's Resistance. It stars Jesse Eisenberg, <laughs> and it's the story of a group of Jewish Boy Scouts who worked with the French Resistance during World War II. Yeah, well, he plays Marcel Marceau in it, does he not? He d no, yeah, he does. He plays uh, famed <laughs> everyone's favorite mime, famed mime Marcel Marceau um, when he was, you know, in Germany during the Nazi regime. And I guess Jesse Eisenberg was the best choice for this. <laughs> Uh, I hear this film's pretty terrible, but... Uh, uh, I'm sure Michael Sarah would love to have these Jesse Eisenberg roles. Oh, imagine... Yo, I think Michael Sarah would have killed this role. We also have Promise at Dawn. Another World uh, War another II World movie. Another World War II movie. <laughs> uh, I mean, it's kind of a World War II movie. It's, it's about a French author, uh, Romain Gary, I believe. I don't know. It's a biopic of him, but he was a pilot in World War II, and that's a big part of it. So I don't know. Charlotte Gainsbourg's in this, too. Gives it a bit of prestige. Otherwise, I don't really know anything else. Sorry, about we missed you. The new Ken Loach film is out as well. So if you want to get depressed for a couple hours about... <laughs> I was just about to say that. Uh, this one's about yeah, the gig oh, economy. Yeah, great. <laughs> I know all about that. <laughs> I mean, technically, you don't have the gig economy. You have a regular job. No, but I've participated a bit in the gig economy, and it sucks. I mean, I'm sure you know a lot about the gig economy, and my partner definitely knows a lot about the gig economy. You know what? I have to say uh, that I actually didn't work in the gig economy that that much because I worked a lot in call centers, which was awful, and I hated it because I could speak French. 
So you get paid more uh, to do that kind of stuff. Well, this this one was big. I think it won the Palm Door. Doesn't like it feels like every Ken Loach movie wins the Palm Door. Honestly, <laughs> Ken Loach stealing all those Palm Doors. <laughs> What is he like? Ninety at this point as well. God, he must be old. Yeah, I don't know. He still got fire though. I feel like he still goes off on like political candidates and stuff all the time. Like I don't know. I can't. I do like Ken Loach. I haven't seen a ton of his films, but the ones I've seen, I have enjoyed. But yeah, it's definitely a very specific vibe of bleakness. <laughs> yeah, Kess, his family film about a boy and his bird. Nothing could go wrong in that movie. Definitely not. Uh, Beanpole is being released by Kino as well. Set in post-World War II Leningrad, as two female <laughs> soldiers return from war and attempt to rebuild their lives in the Ravage City. Didn't this get a big art house push? Yeah, this was uh, nominated for a foreign film Oscar at the That's Oscars this year. Yeah, it's from a up-and-coming Russian director named Kantemir Balagov. And actually, Kino also, in a, in a aside with this, they also released his previous film, uh, Tesnota, or Closeness, which is kind of like a kidnap- kidnapping drama he did a couple years before. Uh, so both of these films are coming out now. Um, yeah, people really, really love Beanpool. I didn't get a chance to see it myself, but it was one of the big uh, nominees this year. We at the have Oscars. a Baccarat. Did you see this one, the Brazilian film? I did. Baccarat. I love this film. Um, this yeah, is- it's one of those like elevated genre movies, which is like, we're a genre movie, but we're really not gotcha and it's like all right i got I getcha. it i get you i get you i'm just i'm a big fan of the director clay yeah, neighboring sound and stuff like that didn't he have a big like dust up over government grants uh i'm not sure actually it's possible Maybe I'm somebody yeah. Else. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah it's possible yeah he's obviously a brazilian filmmaker neighboring sounds was probably one of my favorite debut films of like the last decade i really really loved that film and i really loved the follow-up aquarius which had sonia braga in a really great uh lead role she's in this again along with like udo kier doing his usual udo kier thing um and i don't know i just thought it was a lot of fun like yeah definitely it's elevated art house stuff it's got a lot of elements of like westerns like classic spaghetti westerns and sort of like yeah but elevated so they don't give you the good stuff they just give you like a turn True. on that which is like oh, I, I okay think it's i got get some it. important stuff to say about like modern day brazil and like the importance of community and i, I don't know I, I really i really dug it it's not my favorite of his films i like his previous two more but i don't know i had a lot of fun with the it the thing that bugs me the most about it is that it drops the community and the characters in the second half of the movie that's fair yeah it does become kind of like more of just like an actiony like an elevated action movie with a lot of like explicit gore moments in it you can tell he's trying to like really play to the midnight crowd a bit in the end uh it's also he co-directs this one with uh julianne dornells who's his longtime production designer so you can tell like production design and just like the look of it was really a big thing in this one um i don't know though if you're looking for like kind of like a good time movie, like an entertaining blast of a, <laughs> a good film. Time movie. <laughs> I don't know. It's like an entertaining blast. It's like, like the Safdie's good time. Exactly. Right. Like something that's like a blast to watch, but also has like intellectual pretensions, I guess. Then have we also it. have the whistlers, uh, being released by Magnolia. This is a Romanian film. Seems like a noirish. Yeah. Kind this of is thing. actually kind of, I guess I haven't seen this one yet, uh, but I really like this director. He was part of, he's part of the Romanian new wave. Um, and he made Police Adjective, which is a really, really great... Oh, wait, this is the same yeah, guy? Cornelio Porumboy. I probably made Ooh, that name. I hope somebody whistles in yeah, this movie for right? an hour. But this is also, like, elevated genre stuff. It's like a... It's like a 
global conspiracy action thriller kind of thing. Yeah, because he made yeah, The Treasure did, as well. He did. So he's made a lot of low-key films about, like, government bureaucracy and stuff like that. This one is apparently, like, done on a way bigger scale. It does... He shot it in, like, I think a few different countries. It's got a lot of... It's hilarious. The cover, it's put out by Magnolia, and they are totally marketing this like it's some, like, Fast and the Furious action movie type thing. Like it's a sequel to, um... What was that Clive Owen movie that came out about the evil Big Banks? Um... Uh, duplicity or was it duplicity or, no, no it's 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 the something oh, the, the international investor. yeah the international, the international right, yeah. right sorry i said evil big banks that's uh too many words this is big, big banks, banks. Yeah. you already know they're evil yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh so that makes me want to check it out yeah, i've heard it's fantastic honestly if you like his film i'm sure it's still got that like dry sense of humor he's known uh, for speaking of art exploitation we have a film released by Artsploitation, The Prince, a.k.a. El Prince, uh. which takes place in Chile and is about a young man who goes to prison and becomes the prince. Yeah, it's a homoerotic prison drama, which is apparently based on a book, like a pulp novel from, I think, the 70s that was kind of like an underground hit. Um, it's definitely inspired by Jean Genet's and Chant d'Amour, which is kind of a classic of like film school teachings everywhere. Um, I think there's even a Jean Genet quote on the back of it in relation to the novel it's based on. But yeah, it's definitely got that kind of vibe to it if you're into that. We also have Curb Your Enthusiasm season 10. Do you watch Curb Your Enthusiasm? I did. I haven't watched the last two seasons, though. The last one I watched was the New York season, which I, I really liked, but I just haven't. I never kept up with it after that. I've caught episodes here and there. This one has a really funny subplot uh, where Jeff Garland keeps being... Um, confused with harvey weinstein oh i did hear about this yeah and there's yeah. a funny subplot as well that larry david starts wearing a make america great again shirt because he doesn't want to hang out with people <laughs> and he wants people to stay away yeah. <laughs> that sounds like a perfect larry david thing to do yeah i mean i really like curb uh, i just kind of like haven't caught up with it but i hear it's still going pretty strong uh we also have castle rock season two a show that probably 12 year old justin would have loved but adult Justin looks at and goes, what is yeah. this? this? Who is this for? People seem to... I mean, other than Stephen King yeah. fans. I mean, people seem to really like this, though. It does well for us. Um, but it's so insane. It's like we're putting all a bunch of Stephen King stuff together yeah. because I guess you guys like yeah, it. Yeah, I know. It's like, that's pretty much it. I'm just getting... Yeah, like this... I'm just get feeling the Stephen King burnout these days, you know? It's like, how many Stephen King adaptations do we need, like, all at once right now? Jesus. Wait, does your partner watch this? She's a big Stephen King no, fan. neither of us have really... Like, we know it's around. I mean, it's just never been something that really has piqued our interest I hear that much. it's a... Um... It's an American Horror Story type thing, too, where, like, each season is, like, a whole new cast of characters. Okay. And I heard the first season really shit the bed, because in that classic J.J. Abraham style, I believe he executive produced he did, this, yeah. so... We also have Attraction 2, Invasion. I don't know what this is. Well, Attraction was a big Russian sci-fi movie from a couple years ago. Um, and this is a sequel. So I, I don't know. Uh, I know these are like huge hits in Russia. And they're basically kind of banking on like the big sci-fi blockbuster thing to try and like translate uh, overseas. It's interesting. Well Go USA put out the first one. You know, they put out a lot of Russian stuff like this. But now the rights to transfer, this one's put out by MPI, Dark Sky. So I, I don't know. Uh, but I know people 
people seem to like these films. People seem to like international sci-fi. We're stuff. very anti-Russian blockbuster here at the Basic Video Podcast. Yes, yeah. It's basically a Russian blockbuster, so take that for what it's worth. We also have Only from 2019. This looks like an indie sci-fi film as well. It's, yep, another indie post-apocalyptic sci-fi movie. <laughs> all right, moving on. Yeah, it stars Freda Pinto. That's about all I know about it. Oh, it also stars Leslie Odom Jr., uh, one of the Hamilton cast members. I think it's kind of a love story to, I, I don't know, it's I don't need any more post-apocalyptic uh, sci-fi yeah. love stories. Thank you very much. Uh, Detectives. Uh, yeah. yeah. Uh, have you seen a this shut- one? <laughs> I don't know. It's a Shudder film. Uh, no, I haven't seen this one, but uh, it looks like the kind of thing you would expect from a horror comedy called Detectives. So That would play on Shudder. That would play on Shudder. So <laughs> if you have... If you know about this, you've probably already seen it on Shutter, so I guess. Or you're stumbling upon it at Walmart and you're like, sure, I'll get this. (laughs) Yeah. Sure, this looks like fun. It's like Ghostbusters. (laughs) We also have The Room, the classic Tommy Wiseau film, right, Mark? (laughs) Yes, of course. I don't know why somebody would want to make a film called The Room nowadays, but... uh, I'm sure that the creative people are not involved at all, and the producers have no idea what the Tommy Wiseau film is called. So, yeah, this is a horror film. It's another Shudder title. Uh, It's with Olga Kurlenko, and... It is it is an English language film, although I think it's a uh, it's directed by Christian Volkman, who is a I believe a German director. Uh, uh, or, or I think he's French, French. actually, yes. isn't he? He direct. Oh yeah, yeah, because he directed that animated film Renaissance. Yes, he directed Renaissance, which I actually kind of liked. I haven't seen it in years, but. Uh, so yeah, this is, I don't know, a horror movie, but a couple that moves into a new house. There's like a secret room that brings them anything they wish for, but it's, you know, sinister and oh then my all God. hell breaks loose. Okay. One of those kind of movies. So it's literally about a room. So Wait, wasn't there, there a, a DJ Caruso film that was like that, that starred like Kate Beckinsale? That had a really funny title. Yes. Uh, the Disappointments Room or something. That's what it was <laughs> yeah, called. The yeah, that's like the exact room. same movie. I totally forgot about that. They all really want to make House of Leaves and they can't. So they just do like basically, and they never, they never will. will. Yeah. Uh, did you watch the documentary on Showgirls? You don't know me? No, because honestly, I I love Showgirls. I'm a big big Showgirls fan. I love. But Paul you Verhoeven. hate Showgirls fans. I just honestly, I don't understand why we're still having this conversation in twenty, I guess twenty twenty now. But this came out in twenty nineteen about whether Showgirls is like a piece of crap or not. Like. It's clear that Showgirls is like has a vision, whether you like it or not. It definitely it's not just like it's not like Tommy Wiseau's The Room, basically. It's like it's a film with a vision. And if you don't like that, that's fine. But the fact that people still like are like, well, is it just a bad movie that people think is funny or what? Like, I just don't understand that argument. I I feel like we're way past that now. And I do think some of the critical like the intellectual critical writings about Showgirls are honestly kind of pretentious and dumb. Um so that's kind of where I stand. I know a lot of like the critics who are involved in kind of the showgirls revival or whatever are involved in this movie. And frankly, I could take or leave there. You know, it's good. You don't need to watch a documentary on that to convince that's you. That's the thing. I've always loved showgirls. I've always loved Paul Verhoeven. I really don't need to see a documentary this late in the game about why it why I should think it's good. So we also have the booksellers, a documentary about bookselling. Mm, that's right up my alley. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, it's about the rare book scene in New York City. So you know. Oh, I don't care about the rare book scene. No, thank you. I yeah. don't know. I hear this has a pretty been a pretty big um, hit in sort of. I mean, a lot of theaters now 
that they've been closed they've been doing this virtual cinema kind of initiative where you can like pay to stream these films and the theaters get profits and i know this one has actually been like a big hit on that kind of front we also have bull from 2019 which is riding that the rider exploitation wave it really is yeah slow really cowboy riding. movies yeah i heard this one was good though um basically about a relationship between uh, i think a teenage girl and her neighbor who's like kind of a down and out you know bull rider uh, i did hear really good things but yeah it does feel like it's just kind of coming on the heels of the rider and a lot of these like american because the rider just um put the world on fire i guess yeah i know uh, right? the rider exploitation it could also be called um wait who directed first cow again uh kelly reichardt yeah yes. kelly reichardt's exploitation <laughs> yeah exactly right uh the short history of the long road is being released by film rise yeah this is an indie drama that's been getting a lot of acclaim as well um yeah, I haven't seen it. I, I know Danny Trejo's in it, though. So there <laughs> no, you go. You. <laughs> but it's like a dramatic, it's a rare dramatic turn from Danny Trejo. We also have Judy and Punch, the um, origin story of those dolls, which uh, yeah. sounds dark to me. And I hear this is pretty dark. I heard some people thought this was fun. It kind of came and went pretty fast, though. I feel like I first heard about it and then it was just like on DVD, like really quickly. Uh, would it but... maybe have been a virus issue? It might have been a virus issue. <laughs> so we also have Survive the Night and we're back it's bruce willis time willis watch willis watch is back on and i'm pleased to report this is from the same director as trauma center as well i think we should uh, have a willis watch um soundbite that we have to do every time and i think for uh this segment will be <sighs> which is the sound that bruce willis <laughs> makes every time he gets to set yeah we really need to get these sound things going because yeah we we need our willis watch sigh here um, I don't, I did not watch this one because Trauma Center was such a chore to get through. I know, I know. I'm sorry, Trauma Center was just so, so hard to get through. But I did throw this one on the, in the store today while I was working and I just absentmindedly was catching bits of it. Um, this has Chad Michael Murray in it. So, you know, all you uh, One Tree Hill fans out there. I don't know who Chad Michael Murray is. The name is familiar. You don't know who Chad Michael Murray is? Well, you probably know him from the House of Wax remake. He's kind of the lead in that. I guess. Like, I like the House of Wax remake. I don't remember who stars in it. Yeah, he was like the lead with Alicia Cuthbert in that. I don't know. You didn't watch One Tree Hill? It was a big, like, OC kind Never of watched w. One Tree Hill. Right. Never seen an episode of One Tree Hill or the OC. That's fair. Or anything That's like fair. that. Um, so anyways, mm, I don't know. Say? <laughs> That's all you know from OC, right? I got that song stuck in my head this week yeah because someone posted that video yeah again. oh it's a classic classic one um i don't know this is like a home invasion thriller I, it looked pretty every time i looked up at the screen screen it was like dark and i couldn't see what was going on so <laughs> yeah that seems and i didn't see i only saw bruce willis like one time when i looked up so i don't think he, okay. i don't think he's in this very much we also have uh 2099 the soldier protocol P.U. This looks like crap. Starring <laughs> our boy, David Arquette. Oh, it starts David Arquette. Starts, you know what? I almost picked this one. And said, before going with Wild Palms, I was like, well, we did Mob Town. We should keep this going. Um, yeah, we should have a David Arquette um, rule that if a new David Arquette movie comes out, we have to pick exactly. it. Exactly. So this is like a generic looking VOD sci-fi movie that looks, I think it was filmed in like Bulgaria or something like that. Um, and again, I looked, I threw it on in the store just to get a sense of it. And I looked up a few times and I, I only saw David Arquette like one time. So I don't think he's much, he's in this that much, 
the rest of it i saw a lot of like samurai sword fighting and like weird <laughs> stuff and then a lot of people sitting behind like computer screens so oh no I that's probably where david arquette is behind <laughs> that computer screen uh, it looks pretty terrible the plot when i was reading it the plot kind of sounds like it's trying to be sort of like avatar and that it's like oh i kill. read it it reads like gibberish yeah right like i don't know it's another vod sci-fi movie so there you go i mean uh what is that david arquette documentary about him being a wrestler finally gonna come out i know i'm so excited for that it was it was due to premiere at south by southwest and i think it did premiere like online or something at south by southwest um so there are reviews of it out there but i need we need to see this movie please release it on Do you know that when uh david arquette was like very heavily injured remember it made the news he like sliced something yep, yeah that luke perry rode in the hospital with him uh on the way right yeah boys for life <laughs> and death unfortunately r.i.p luke R. Uh, R. yeah david arquette's still around which if you had to um make me take a bet who would go first luke perry or david arquette i would have been wrong I know. I would have said David Arquette, for sure. <laughs> and finally, Scoob is out. Scoob! So I loved Scooby-Doo when I was a kid, but even I knew it was crap. I don't really <laughs> love it anymore because there's not much to it. Yeah. Are you a fan of the live-action Scooby-Doo movies? <laughs> I have never seen either in their entirety. <laughs> wow. Yeah, me neither. They're ones I kind of threw out, throw out in the store from time to time when I want something like obnoxious playing on in the background. But... <laughs> you want to chase people from the store? Yeah, basically. Um... What I love about this movie, though, is that it's like a universe-building film for the Hanna-Barbera brand. Great. So, like, it's not a classic horror Scooby-Doo thing. It's like the meet, I don't know, Hawkman or whatever the character uh, in Scooby-Doo is. Yeah. Great. Terrible. The movie for no one. I remember when it was canceled uh, in theaters, there was a guy on my Twitter who was really, like, bummed. He loves Scooby-Doo, which is <laughs> weird really to me because... For most of the series, it's all about the monsters not being real. That is the most depressing thing you can have when you're a kid. Yeah. But I heard there was some new seasons that were actually good. Okay. Yeah, where they actually face, like, real monsters. I don't know. There's, like, a million different titles. It's like, hey, you, Scooby-Doo, Scooby-Doo down at the zoo. Like, I can't tell. There's so much new Scooby-Doo, like, animated TV movies and specials that come out that, like, I honestly just pass on. We don't order them all because there's just so many of them and nobody knows what they are. Um, but I don't know. Yeah, it seems like they were really trying to revive Scooby-Doo for a new generation, but clearly that just fall, failed hard. I'm more interested in like the Scooby-Doo ripoffs that Hanna-Barbera kept making. Uh, yeah. There's like, it's like Booger Dog or something like that. <laughs> yeah, like... where's the Booger Dog movie at? <laughs> I don't think it's called Booger Dog. <laughs> it should um, be called Booger Dog. I was, and it, what's funny is that they were all Hanna Barbera uh, ripoffs. Like they would make their own animated um, things. Oh, there's the Funky Phantom, Speed Buggy. Uh, <laughs> you know, what I was thinking, I was pretty close. It was called Goober and the Ghost Chasers. Oh yeah, somebody ordered that on DVD from us recently, actually, because you can get these all now from Warner Archive. I think they. Put I them would out. love to make a movie of Goober and the Ghost Chasers. Mm. <laughs> well, they already made Gooby, right? So that, that's a different thing. Yeah, <laughs> and Captain Caveman and the Teen Angels. 
<laughs> oh, terrible. Or the new Shmoo. What the heck is that? A shape-shifting creature called Shmoo who solves mysteries. Wow, you can really fall down that Hanna-Barbera wormhole forever. Yeah, eh? terrible. So let's pull ourselves out and say goodbye to the loyal Bay Street video customers. Any updates about the store, Mark? Nope, things are going the same. We're open Mondays to Saturdays, 10 to 8 p.m. right now. Uh, we're closed on the holiday Monday on August 3rd, but I feel like by the time this episode goes up, it will already be past August 3rd. So What is this nonsense, Mark? You used to be only closed on one day a year. I know. It's crazy. I'm so like, I'm not getting, I'm getting used to being off on like weekends and holidays now. It's crazy. It's crazy around here. But yeah, things are the same. Uh, we're still doing things really safely. Toronto is apparently moving into stage three of reopening this week. <laughs> yeah, which that'll I'm last a sure. month. Yeah, not sure I totally agree with that, but things are still staying the same here. We're only letting a max of four people in at the store at once, and we're being really safe about it, logging everybody for contact tracing and such. So, yeah, still come on down. Just, like, come on down safely, please. And, and with a mask. Uh, so, until next week, my name's Dustin the Glue. And I'm Marquez. Keep on buying. Keep on renting. Bruce Willis movies. what you want to watch. These movies and many more are available at your local video store.